you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to read, beginning with verse number 9, the closing chapter of this very personal letter to a young man in the gospel from a man who has reached the end of his journey. Paul is not long for this life. The Romans are only days, if not weeks, away from taking his life. And he writes, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And everybody said amen. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about the beauty of recovery. And everybody said amen. If you promise me that you will help me, I'll let you be seated. Some of you are not sure you're going to keep standing. We're going to have the altar call right now. As I mentioned, Paul is near the end of his life, and he is writing to his son in the Lord, Timothy, giving him some last instructions, great advice and wisdom. And in that closing letter to Timothy, He speaks of those who have left him, those who are no longer in his presence, and those who are still remaining with him. And then he urges Timothy to come quickly. If you read a little more, you will hear him say again, Timothy, come before winter. Somehow Paul seemed to sense that it wasn't going to be long for him in this life. But he adds an addendum to his note, and he says to Timothy, not only do I want you to come, but I want you to stop by Jerusalem, and I want you to bring John Mark with you. Striking compliment Paul paid to Mark in our text. The Bible says that he is profitable unto me. He is profitable unto me. That translated in one sense means that he is a man who can put his hand to many things. Mark had become a man very capable a man that we would say that had many skills. He was profitable to Paul's ministry. He was useful to have around. He was a great man to turn his hand to 
anything. But it had not always been that way with Mark. It had not always been his story. It had been a checkered past, to say the least. John Mark had grown up as a child or a young man in the early church. It was his privilege to have been at the center stage in Jerusalem to the great revival that shook that city. And it was to his mother's house, Mary, that Peter had resorted when he had escaped from prison in Acts chapter 12. If you read between the lines, you will understand that evidently his home was a hub for revival and prayer. And so John grew up, Mark grew up around those things being exposed to the great revival that was shaking the city of Jerusalem. It wasn't long until there was a new convert by the name of Saul of Tarsus. And he became a flaming evangel for the church. And in a prayer meeting, God separated him and another man by the name of Barnabas, the son of consolation, the encourager. And the Lord said they were to... They were to go on a journey. They were to be missionaries. And so Paul and Barnabas set out on their first missionary journey of the early church. They took John Mark with them. What a privilege for a young man who is just in the prime of his life to be chosen and called. To be earmarked, to have seen in him such qualities that you would want him to go on such a journey. To me, it would have been like being chosen by Brother Kilgore in his prime to be his right-hand man, to be with him in all of his ministry endeavors and to go with him as he journeyed around the world and, and preached the gospel. And that was the privilege of John Mark. He was... A young man headed somewhere. His career was on the fast track. He was on the way up. He had been called and chosen. He was part of an elite group. John was part of the first great missionary endeavor of the church. And so they set out. From Antioch they went to Cyprus. From Cyprus, they went to Pergia, and from Pamphylia, they began to make their way into the interior plains of Asia. But something happened along the way. Something transpired that changed everything. Maybe it was more than he bargained for. Maybe it was more than he was prepared for to do. I don't know and the Bible does not state. The scripture does not give us the reason but the Bible says that when John was with Paul and Barnabas headed from Pergia into the interior plains of Asia that he lost heart. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that he went home to Jerusalem. He abandoned these two great men in their endeavor. 
We don't know what happened. There is no explanation for it. All that we know is that he lost heart and he turned back. In our day and when I was a child growing up, we would have said he chickened out. Anybody know what chickening out means? He couldn't take it. He couldn't handle it. Somebody said he was a mama's boy. I don't know. Maybe he was. Maybe he was homesick. Maybe he just lost out on the fellowship of the church at Antioch. I don't know. All I know is that somewhere along the journey, this young man who was on a fast track to the top, this young man who evidently had unbelievable gifts and skills that were noted in Paul and Barnabas, turned face and ran, and he left them there. And as you can imagine, it didn't sit very well with Paul. That kind of defection was hard to take. He was a man who had put his trust in this young man, and now he had left him. He had depended on him. He was counting on him, and now John Mark had let him down. And the first sign of trouble, he had turned and ran. It did not sit well at all. And somewhere in Paul's mind, he filed that away for some future date. And so he and Barnabas went on their journey. When their journey was complete, they came back to Antioch where they had begun. They gave the report. They ministered in the area. For some time they were there. And then God began to deal with them to go again. And so perhaps two years later, or three, after this first endeavor, Paul comes to Barnabas and said, it's time for us to go again and visit the churches where we've been and see how they're doing and then go a little further, take the message a little farther. Barnabas said, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm on go right now. i tell you what I'll do. I'm going to go home and get my bags, and I'm going to get John Mark, and we'll meet you at the square Paul said, oh, no, 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 no. You're not bringing John Mark anywhere. He deserted me one time. I'm not giving him a second chance. He left me hanging when I needed him the most. And in the book of Acts chapter 17, the Bible says that the contention between Paul and Barnabas became so great that they parted ways. This great missionary team that had blazed the trail of revival into Asia and had brought the gospel into an unknown part of the world. Now this great team was broken up over the controversy of a man who had turned back. Over a young man who had given up and gone home over a young man who had failed at his task. And the division, was, the division was so great that Paul said, if you're going to bring him, you're not going to have me. And so the Bible says that Barnabas took Mark and went on his way, and Paul took Silas and went on his way. And from that point forward, 
You read very little. Very little is mentioned about either one of them from that moment on. The bulk of the rest of the book of Acts is consumed with the ministry and all of the things that the Apostle Paul was able to accomplish. But very little is heard of a man by the name of Mark. A man who had failed. A man who had stumbled. So many stories like that end in tragedy. So many people when they have come to a point of failure in their life. Allow that failure to label them. They allow that failure to mark their lives and so mark them that they are never able of recovering from such embarrassment. Evidently, from what I read later on in Scripture, it became known throughout the church about Mark's defection. Can you imagine what it was like for John Mark when he would come to church and people would look across the the, 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 the church and see him sitting over in an area away from them. Can you imagine what he must have had to deal with in his own mind and in his own life? And it was there in those times that John Mark did something almost unbelievable. He decided that instead of allowing his failure to destroy him, he was going to let his failure make him. And the Bible does not tell us what happened. It does not tell us what transpired. All that I can tell you is what I read in what Paul said about him at the end. And what Paul said completely reversed the story of the beginning of his life. A young man who had been unprofitable. A young man who had failed. A young man who had embarrassed himself and embarrassed his family. By the way, Barnabas was his uncle. He had embarrassed his family name. Now is transformed and Paul is writing about him in these glowing terms. I want you to go by the, the intention of the Greek text is that I want you to go out of your way on your way to see me at Rome and I want you to find John Mark and I want you to bring him with you because he is profitable to me. He is profitable to me for ministry. What a transformation. How could such recovery be made after such colossal failure? How does a young man who has stumbled and fallen flat on his face. How can he recover and put himself back on his feet. And then do something with his life. That would so transform him. That when they come to the end of the day. Paul said this is the young man that I want with me in my closing hour. What a transformation. How do you turn around a life of failure? How do you turn around a life of of embarrassment. How, how do you recover from a fall? How do you recover from doing something really stupid in your life? How, how do you recuperate the lost years? Somehow John Mark found it in himself 
when he got back home to decide that what had happened was not going to be what was going to happen. And what could have happened with his life, it is certain that it could have been devastating and he could have never been heard of again. He could have been one of the many like Demas who hath forsaken me having loved this present world. But that's not how his story ends. The Bible said he wound up as a marked man, a man who was needed in the last hour. So what happened? What transpired? What changed John Mark's story from being a failure to being a needed and profitable young man? I believe the first thing that happened was when he got back home, he had a good hard look at himself. Amen. I said he had a good hard look at himself. And what he saw, he didn't like. And what he saw, he decided is going to change. Amen. And he decided somewhere back in Jerusalem that what he had been, he was not going to continue to be. I may have failed, but I'm not going to continue to be a failure. And so John Mark faced his faults and he overcame them. He faced his shortcomings. He faced whatever fears there were. He faced his weaknesses. He admitted his shortcomings. And he said, you know what? I'm better than that. I am not going to live like that. I am called for better things than that. And somehow in his life, John Mark was able to face those faults and weaknesses and overcome them. But he didn't stop there. He didn't just stop looking at himself and examining himself and said, okay, why did this happen? Why did I stumble? Why did I make that mistake? Why did I falter when they needed me the most? He went a step further than that. He did more than just face his faults and face his weaknesses and face his fears and overcome them. But the next thing he did was applied himself. He began to diligently apply himself to the work of God and the call of God that was on his life. He didn't sit down and cry about it. He didn't sit down and whine about it. And he certainly didn't give up and leave like a lot of folks do. He learned from his mistakes. And he said, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Amen. And so he applied himself. He applied himself so much that he began to develop a gift in a ministry that would make him useful again to the work of God. He began to take notes. He would sit and listen to Peter's sermons preached in the church in Jerusalem and to those of James and others. He would take notes when he was around the apostle Peter. And as he listened to him teach the word, he would write down the sermon notes. And from there he progressed to not just writing down the sermon notes, but history says that he became the interpreter of Peter. That literally, first and second Peter were not written by Peter, but they were written by John Mark as Peter translated that word to him. Here is a man who at one point in his life turned around and walked away and went home. Here is a man who tucked tail and ran when the pressure was on him. 
he embarrassed himself and he embarrassed his family and he embarrassed the calling that God had placed on his life. But he said, you know what? It's not always going to be that way. Amen. And so he applied himself and he developed himself. He refused to give up. He worked his way back up. He became a follower. He became a listener. He applied himself. He took notes. He did all that he could do to improve his situation. And step by step, he began to rebuild that life that had crumbled before his own eyes. He didn't quit and he didn't go home and he didn't give up. He said, I might have gone back once, but I'm not going back again. Amen. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but maybe I'm talking to somebody sitting here tonight that feels like that you have just, you, you think that you have messed up and you have done so bad that you'll never recover from that fall, that nothing is left for you to live for and your failure has even been so publicly that you'll never be able to overcome it. Well, I've come to tell you that I beg to differ with you. You can overcome public failure. Amen. I said you can overcome public failure. John Mark rose back up. He got back on his feet. And he said, you know what? I may have done it once, but I'm not always going to do it. A man's failings can mark his life and cripple him if he allows it to. Or they can crown him if he decides to allow them to. They can make him or break him. And John Mark said, I'm not going to let it break me. I'm going to let it make me. And so he learned. He listened. He applied himself. But none of that could happen. If you don't first face yourself. You know what's wrong with some folks in life right now is they've never taken the time to really face themselves and deal with themselves. They're too busy on Facebook or texting or whatever all that other stuff is, Instagramming. You know what some of you need to do? You need to put your iPad and your phone down and go stand in front of a mirror and look at what you see there and say, okay, God, is this really what you designed me to be? Is this really what you called me to be? Is this what you shed your blood for me to be like right now? And if what you see you don't like, then make up your mind that you're going to do what John Mark did. I'm going to change this story. Amen. I'm going to change this story. It's amazing how many people are escape artists in life and how many people refuse to look in that mirror because they don't like what they're going to see. I used to, I, I, I hated when my mother would tell me to look in her eye. I hated it when she would say that. Because I knew what was coming. There was an examination coming. And she wouldn't be content until my eyes were locked in on hers. And there was that direct look. Some of you aren't even paying attention to what I'm playing. Some of you have been on your phone while I've been preaching tonight. Texting. I can see it. I mean, I'm not dumb. You say, you've been reading scripture. I'll give that story to somebody else. Amen. 
And that's why you keep going on failing in life. That's why you keep going stumbling through life, making a mess out of your life and other people's life. Because you never have taken the time to put everything down and say, okay, you know what, I need to take a good hard look at me. What's wrong here? What's wrong with this picture right here? Why? God made me for better than this. God created me for more than this. God did more for me for me to wind up like this in life. And when John Mark looked at himself and saw what was there, he said, oh boy, we're fixing to renovate. We're fixing to remodel. We're getting rid of some attitudes. We're getting rid of some spirits. We're getting rid of some things that don't need to be in our life. We're going to get rid of some connections that keep pulling us back to that old life. That'd be a great place for somebody to start. Just go home and cut them off. Amen. Amen. Just cut them off. Say, so Brother use that sounds awful mean. You know what? When you've got cancer and you're dying, there's some things you have to do radically. You can't just say, well, now, we put a Band-Aid over it. It might be better tomorrow. When we're talking about my soul and my eternity, there's some things I just can't play with. Amen. So I need to cut away. And so John Mark took the knife out and he started cutting some things. He said, that's, that's not staying. That attitude stinks. That attitude right there just will not do and me be a child of God. Amen. Praise God. Some of you waiting for cookies and ice cream. It ain't coming until I get through. And I'm not through yet. You need to take a knife and start cutting. Say, no, that's not part of my life. You're not going to keep me like that. You're not dragging me back down into that hell. I'm not always going to be a failure. I'm not always going to be an embarrassment in life. I'm not always going to be a stumbler and a bumbler. Amen. And so he started cutting away stuff. Nobody knew it. Only John Mark, alone in Jerusalem. But he started working on John Mark. And there's a better man somewhere hidden there. I know there is because something Paul saw in me made him want to use me. Somebody chose me. And if somebody chose me, there's got to be something in there that I'm missing. Amen. Some of you might ought to take time to remember that he chose you. Not me, but Jesus chose you. And if he chose you, there must be something in there that he saw that's worth redeeming. There must be something in there that he saw that's worth saving. Amen. And so Mark began to cut and dissect and rearrange and reorder and reorganize his life. And then he began to apply himself. He didn't just come to church and sit on a pew and play and go through all the motions and do all the things a lot of other folks do when they come to church. And I'm going to beat the bush tonight. Actually, I'm just going to beat, not the bush, I'm going to beat the problem. Amen. he, He didn't just come in and slide in and slide out. I, I believe with all my heart that from that moment that John Mark got in the mirror and saw himself I believe from that moment on, John Mark decided he was going to be on the front row. 
He was going to be in the first in the altar. He believed he was going to be the first in the prayer room. He was going to be the first one on his feet to worship. He was going to be the first one to praise and the first one to give honor to God. And he was going to be the last one to leave the church house. You say, Brother Hughes, my Bible doesn't say that. Well, your Bible doesn't say it, but evidently that's what happened because something transformed his life. And I'm going to tell you something. Nothing will transform you better than what I just said. I can tell you this much. Just sitting back and slouching around won't change you. Amen. Just seeing how little you can do to get by won't change you. Playing church won't change you. Amen. Amen. And so I believe that John Mark, he was the first one on the on the feet. He was the first in the altar. And he just made himself a follower again. I'm going to learn how to live for God again. You know what? Some of us need to learn how to live for God again. What we have called living for God is not really living for God. It has been living for ourselves. We need to learn how to live for God again. And that's what he did. He started learning how to live for God. He let God be the center of his life, the focal point. And it wasn't long until he started feeling that inspiration again. And he, he's sitting there. He, he wasn't using his iPad to write emails or, or pay bills. He was using his iPad to write notes. Amen. Every time the preacher made a point, he would write it down in his Bible. He put it down in his scroll. He made note of it. He listened to what the preacher said. He could come back three weeks later and say, Brother Hughes, do you remember what you preached last week? I shake my head and say, no, I've already forgot what I preached last week. But he could tell me because he was listening. Yeah. He was paying it. He was taking notes. And from there, Peter began to notice the diligence of this young man. Barnabas, the encourager, somehow I feel like Barnabas played something into that. Somehow I believe Barnabas helped Mark see that there was still something good in him so he wouldn't throw his life away. But there he applied himself, and Peter saw and took note of him. He saw the diligence of him, and he said, You know what? You could help me. I, I'm, not, I'm not good at handwriting. I... I think you could help me. I want you to write. I've got to write to the church. I've got to send some letters to the believer. Would you, would you help me? And so John Mark began to transcribe those letters to First and Second Peter. Amen. What a transformation. What a recovery. Amen. What a turnaround. Amen. What a way to end your life. What a way to close it all out. Bring Mark, for he's profitable unto me. He, he, he's, he's made himself a man of many skills. He, he can turn his hand to anything. Now, there, there, he's like a jack of all trades. It doesn't matter what you ask him to do. He can do it. He has applied himself. He has learned from his mistakes. But I, I am convinced the greatest thing that John Mark did was what some of us need to do tonight, and that is he refused to let what happened to him label him. Amen. 
Amen. He refused to let what happened to him label him. Labeled him as unworthy. He was labeled as a deserter. He was labeled as a quitter. He was labeled as a no account. He was labeled as unfaithful. He was labeled as one that you cannot trust. John Mark said, you know what? That's not going to cripple me. That's going to crown me. Amen. That's not going to destroy me. That's going to make me. Amen. I'm a better man than that. And I am not a failure. I am not a quitter. I am not a deserter. I am not unworthy. I am not one that cannot be trusted. And somehow, John Mark was able to claw and dig his way back out of that hole by the grace of God. And he proved himself in the end to be a man to be needed. Amen. If you fall, you don't, let the, you don't have to let that failure be your epitaph. If you've made a mistake in your life and you've embarrassed your family, you don't have to let that be the epitaph that you die with. Well, you know, he had a lot of talents, but he never could seem to get his act together. She could have been a great blessing to the church. But she never could seem to keep her life straight. Oh, what good they could have done for the work of God. What gifts, what ministry, what a blessing they could have been to the church of God. But they were too busy. They were too busy doing other things. Oh, God, help me now. We need some recoveries around here like John Mark's. We need some folks that will stand up and say, you know what? I am not a quitter, and I am not a loser, and I am not a reject. Amen. We've got to have somebody that can stand up and recover their self-respect. And you say, you know what? I'm going to outlive my mistakes. You know how to outlive your mistakes? Get up on your feet and get back to an altar. Amen. It's hard to criticize somebody who's at the altar. Amen. I said it's hard to criticize somebody. It's hard to criticize somebody that when it's time to worship, they're the first to stand and worship. It's hard to criticize. I don't care what they've done wrong. It's hard to criticize somebody when they fall on their face before God and they cry out for God's mercy. That's how you overcome a fall. That's how you overcome your weakness. That's how you Overcome your failure. That's how you outlive your reputation. Amen. Amen. He recovered. He recovered his usefulness. Get up. Change your destiny. Amen. Praise God. Get up and change your destiny. Get up and change the story of your life. Rewrite that story tonight. Get up and face your failures. Get up and remove the label that has been over your life and dogs you to this day. You know what? That is not what I am. And I will not be that any longer. Amen. Somebody needs to understand that God's speaking to you tonight, that it's a good time for you to get back on your feet 
and get back in the game. It would be a good time for you to recover what's been lost. Amen. There are some of you feel like even though you may have come back to God because of your previous failure, because of something you've done, you'll never be useful again. I'm telling you, that's a lie from hell. Amen. Amen. If God has recovered you, you are recovered. Amen. God has helped you get back. You're back. You don't have to try to qualify that and you don't have to try to justify that. Just let God be God in your life. Amen. Let's stand together.